You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I am your host, Joshua Balta, and we have a repeat guest on the show for us today. Darian Thomas is back, newly acquired by the lead. It's uh, I, I guess we're breaking that here right now. I mean, it's it's knowledge out there, but I mean, I guess that we'll break it on Hive Hoops today. Newly acquired by the lead, taking over draft lead, uh, I guess specifically, and also the newest contributor for Hornets lead that we have also picked up. So we grow in that team as well. We've been putting those applications out. Darian took us up on it, and we said we got to get this guy. And so, without further ado, introducing you, Darian Thomas, newest contributor for Hornets lead and draft lead. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. I, hey, look, you didn't give yourself enough credit because I didn't know. I didn't know that the draft lead thing was available. So, hey, without you, I wouldn't I wouldn't have noticed. Well, look, um, I mean, there's a there's a handful of guys that I follow when it comes to the draft. You were one of them. Okay. And so whenever this, you know, came available, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta hit up DT. I gotta do something about this. Okay. <laughs> and so you've been putting out all kinds of content surrounding the Hornets, your draft stuff, you know, on your own personal accounts and different things of that nature. You know, man, couldn't think of anybody better to join us, draft lead. It's here. It's now. And that's what we got coming at everybody, all you listeners today, a special NCAA tournament, players that could possibly be on the Hornets coming up soon. Of course, we're going to be talking about the Hornets. NCAA tournament coming up. I am in pain. My Tar Heels did not make the tournament. Oh, man, I was sick. I was sick. They're oh, also hurt. your Tar Heels. And so we just I'm, – I'm wearing Carolina blue today. I don't even know why. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I guess I hate myself so much I, that I just put it on today. I don't, I, I don't know why. Um, and I, I, I could get into all the Carolina stuff, right? I could – I'm gonna be honest, guys. I kind of thought that they they should have made the tournament. Even- I did too. I was like, oh, is it me? Is it bias? Or I was like, oh no, there's some teams where Carolina probably could have been over. Now, will we depending on the matchup, will we have gotten whooped in that first round? More than likely, but at least we would have been in there and it wouldn't have been disembarrassing. I'd yeah, rather get like- whooped in the first round and not make it. So look, we're gonna get on the Hornet stuff, but I'm gonna provide you we're we're gonna discuss this for a minute as well, I guess. I didn't plan on this, but here we are. Um, gosh, when I really look at it, if if you had to poll all of the teams in the tournament and you said, hey, would you rather face Nevada or North Carolina <laughs> first round? You tell me. You tell me. And, and I'm not even going off a of brand. I like right, seriously. Right. Like, I'm not even going off of the brand. I'm going off of this team returning four guys from a national championship run last season. Like, nobody would want to play those guys in March. No, not at all. Not and, like, all. honestly, only 
the largest defeat all season was 12 points. Haven't lost by eight or more points since November. Lost by five points to Duke, who's arguably the hottest team in the nation right now. Yeah, I agree. Okay. With that. And so in the last month, lost to Duke twice by five points. Okay. <laughs> lost to Virginia without Baycott. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, look, they had their opportunities. They could have done some stuff. I get it. Right. I still think they probably should have been in the tournament. Like they I have mean, their chances, but I mean, come on. And real quick, like one thing I look at as soon as I saw that we didn't make it, you have to look at the Iowa State loss. Was it Iowa State? The Iowa State loss where they should have won, and Iowa State came back and won at the beginning of the season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At the, you got to uh, look the at tournament, right? And then you got to look at the Alabama loss where North Carolina should have won and, and let Alabama stay in the game and then come back and win. So. Yeah. Those are yeah, two – I think if you win one of those two games, they're in. Yeah, and that's how trivial this stuff is because if you just – just that Alabama game, you went into – it was quad overtimes, right? <laughs> right. It was quad. Like you took the number one team in the country to four overtimes on a neutral site. If one call goes the opposite direction, just one call at some point in the game. Now, it didn't. We can play this – what if game all day, right? Right. But literally, this is how tri- like trivial this stuff is, uh, or not trivial, but this is how close the margins are to where a team makes it or not. If one call goes North Carolina's way in that game, if one of those charges is a block instead, because they, right. those big guys were flopping the whole oh, all over all, the place. all game against Baycott early on. And so if one of those calls goes the opposite direction, all of a sudden you're saying North Carolina is a tournament team because Basically. one call from a referee went differently. <laughs> Basically. Because a block or because a charge all of a sudden gets called a block and then you go to the free throw line, you hit one free throw, that game's over. Okay? Or it, it changes the outcome in the better. Come on, man. At the end of the day, they're one of the better teams. Like they, yeah. they didn't win the games that they needed to but they never got blown out. They were always in the games. Uh, they lost to respectable teams down the stretch. And you could uh, argue they a lot of times they shot themselves out of the game. I mean, Caleb, well, Caleb Love <laughs> specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. would just chuck up shots at the worst time. I mean, he did that recently. So it, it, you look at that and it's just like, oh, they really could have made it, man. They really could have. But like you said, they they just end up not not being able to do it. I think it hurt that they didn't really have a bench at all. I mean – those guys, the bench, they have a bench. They have a lot of talented guys. I don't think they just saw the floor enough to where you could put them in at the end of the season. So. Speaking of Caleb Love, I don't think that we will be speaking of Caleb Love on this we will not. I don't think we'll be speaking of any of, uh, any of them. Maybe R.J. Davis. Maybe. That's, that's a strong That's a strong maybe. That's, that's a strong, strong maybe. <laughs> but what we're going to do, we're going to preview. So our draft expert – all right. We're going to throw expert at the end because why not? Everybody else hey, wants to do it. Everybody hey, does. Qualified. That's what, that's what I got to say. We're going to look at the NCAA tournament players that could possibly be on Hornets watch that could go uh, early on in the first round, maybe late in the first round as well with that Denver pick. We know that Mitch Kupchak loves his seconds more than anything on this planet, including his family. Second round picks is where that guy really feels himself. 
All right. And he can really dig down and, and, and get all of those juices flowing. And so we're going to look at some different players that are on Darian's watch for the Hornets. So beginning. All right. I know there's going to be some obvious ones. I know there's going to be some dark horses, maybe some that we never had an idea about. And then of course, those second, you know, second rounders. Mm-hmm. All right. Start us off there. And who you got? Who's on Hornets watch in this NCAA tournament? So one thing that I really actually want to point out is if you think about it, a lot of the top guys, the Hornets, as of right now, at the fourth pick, the lowest they can go is eighth. A lot of those guys are not even in the tournament. So, so true. Like, like you have Victor Wimanyama, he's French. <laughs> not in. Not in. Not in. The Thompson twins, not in. Not so in. That eliminates four out of the top ten people. So that that's the one thing I found interesting. Cam Whitmore. I, they're, they're not in. So not yeah, in. It's, so it's just it gets really rough. But there are still some players. Brandon Miller, of course, that's the one everyone's talking about. That's the one I feel like a lot of Hornets fans are now. They're jumping on the bandwagon, and I, I, I completely, I wouldn't say jumping on the bandwagon. They're hoping for Brandon Miller. It's because they don't want to be disappointed with not getting Victor Wimbanyama. I completely understand it. I'm the same way. Where now I'm looking more at Brandon Miller as the choice for the Hornets. Uh, I mean, that guy, he can shoot. He can play defense. A lot of people say he can't play defense, but he definitely can play defense. Uh, they say he can't go to the basket. He can definitely go to the basket. That's not his strong suit. His strong suit is him shooting. That That is what he does best. But he can do so much more. He can. We've seen games with, with him on Alabama this year where if the shot wasn't falling, he still found ways to impact the game. So I think Brandon Miller would be an excellent pick at four. Uh, you have to also look at guys like Jairus Walker. I mean, what I like about Jairus Walker is he reminds me of P.J. in terms of the position he plays. He's not a shooter like P.J. I don't think he's that good at taking the ball off the dribble like P.J., but he plays that P.J. role where sometimes he's he's just there to guard big wings or sometimes he's your small ball five. He can do both, and he's a pretty good defender. Uh, so you, I, it, if the Hornets pick Jairus Walker – I'm 100% sure PJ's not coming back. They're the same player side in terms of Ooh, the fit. To that's the a team. heater right there. And that's the that's truth. That's a heater. I, <laughs> I feel like it. There's no reason to pick Jairus Walker if you're going to sign PJ to that kind of money. No no reason. Not because Jairus Walker isn't good, or but it just wouldn't make sense to kind of double down on that kind of player. Um, another person you could look at. One person. Let me stop you. Let me stop you real quick. Yeah, yeah, I'll, stop. I want to go back to Brandon Miller real quick. Okay. So one of the dings or negatives on Brandon Miller, right, is his ability to create for himself, right? And mm-hmm. being able to put it on the deck, you know, it doesn't have a tight handle. That's kind of his worry um, is at the NBA level, being able to put, put it on the deck and create for himself mm-hmm. and create for others off of the attraction that he would bring going downhill. And so w- – like, where do you fall uh, basically reviewing his game and really starting to nitpick those areas? Because that's that's where we're at at this point, right? We're, we're seeing these guys, these top 10 players are phenomenal basketball players. But when you start talking about draft and position and need and fit and all of these things, you start really digging deep into those flaws in order to find them. And so oftentimes maybe they're, you know, bloviated, maybe they're, you know, made bigger by talking heads like us and other people all, you know, in the sports world. But 
Is that a concern for you as far as he goes? For overall, as a prospect, Hornets by his side, yes, it's a little concerning. But you can look at guys like uh, Jabari Smith. He can't dribble. That was that was the same thing people said about him. It was. Now, he started off rough this year uh, for sure, but also he plays in Houston. So that whole situation's rough. Also, you got to think about, I think as of late, he's shown more of what he can be. And I think he's found his role so far in that offense, which is I don't need to do that. And think about having Brandon Miller with LaMelo Ball. He won't need to do that. Now, of course, you're at the NBA level. You should be able to dribble. However, LaMelo's ball dominant. As of right now, we still have Terry Rozier. He's ball dominant. What the Hornets need is someone to catch and shoot. What Brandon Miller is good at, it's catching and shooting. <laughs> Sounds so good to me. That's it's, it's just a, it's just a perfect fit. Of course, you want him to develop those skills because he does struggle with uh, kind of just putting the ball on the floor, but he can do it. It's not like it's he just refuses to do it. It's not one of those things where, like how sometimes players refuse to shoot. It's not like one of those. He does it. He's just not that good at it. So as time passes, I think that he'll find his way. I mean, also, you got to think about it. If you're assuming Mark Williams is the starting center, which, of course, he would be, he's going to be down there in the paint to rebound anyway. So what is the point of trying to attack the basket when you got these other guys that do that? Terry Rozier, I think one of his best attributes is him attacking the basket. LaMelo Ball, he's gotten better at that this year. I, now, coming off his injury, he may fade away from that a little bit, but that's one of his best things. That he, well, he's gotten a lot better at that. I don't foresee Brandon Miller needed to be able to do that. And then not to mention Kelly Oubre, who I, if they didn't trade him, I'm assuming they're bringing him back. There was no reason to not trade him if you weren't planning on bringing him back. And Gordon Hayward, while he doesn't really attack the basket that much, it's just there's so many guys who are comfortable with the ball in their hand. Off rip, I wouldn't all of a sudden exclude Brandon Miller because he's not that comfortable with the ball in his hand. When you have a team where everybody just about – is extremely comfortable, maybe too comfortable to an extent, with the ball in their hand. I, I, I get it if you're just breaking him down as a prospect, but if you're looking at him coming to the Charlotte Hornets, I wouldn't have that be an issue at all. Yeah, the fit, it's it's there, right? That's the thing. When it comes to him, you don't need him to do those things. And so that part of his game, he can work on that, you know, as the years develop. But for right now, you really just need that, long, lengthy winger who can play defense and hit threes and be that athletic guy on the wing who can do those things and rise up and the fit really, it, it it's really it's, there. Yeah, you can't, you can't it ignore is. it. You can't ignore it. Now, do you – so there's been a lot of talk here recently about Brandon Miller surpassing Scoot. For that number that. two spot, there's people within the you know the Hornets fan base and who create content for the Hornets. I know I saw James Plowright put this out the other day that he's he's uh, replaced Scoot <laughs> with Brandon Miller at the two spot, and uh, you know they're also it's growing nationally as well. I, I, I started seeing more articles you know in recent days, and you know maybe this is the hype of being the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and all of a sudden that coming to, you know, ahead. But where do you fall? Have ha have you taken Scoot out of the two hole 
and dropped him down to three and replaced him with Brandon Miller. I, no, but it's, I get what everyone's coming from. However, I feel like a lot of it is you're seeing Brandon Miller way more than you see Scoot Henderson. Way more. Also, doesn't help Scoot Henderson has his injury concerns where he, he's missed a lot of games. Doesn't help that he plays for the G League Unite, who are not good. They're, they're never good. I mean, it's good for their development, but as a team, it's usually mm-hmm. it doesn't work out for them. And then also you have to think about what each player is kind of being asked to do. With the G League Ignite, Scoot Henderson is like, hey, be our showcase. Not win us the game, but just be our showcase. We need people to watch these games. The NBA is streaming those games, uh, you know, so that people can see Scoot Henderson put on the show. That's what he's being told to do. I guarantee it. Brandon Miller is being told to win and, and help the team and help propel the team into where they are. And he's doing that in, in many different ways. So I can see why you would look at the production of Brandon Miller. You would look at how he plays and replace him with Scoot. It's really hard for me to do that, though, just because of the fact that Scoot is just a lot of his talent is natural, if that makes any sense. So Scoot oh, is is just completely sure. natural. Brandon Miller, obviously there's nothing wrong with players who work for it, but Brandon Miller, his game is you can tell he's been in the gym shooting those shots to be the type of shooter he is, to be the type of scorer he is. You can tell that he's put in work to become a better defender because he wasn't that good of a defender at the beginning of the season, and he's he's progressed a lot since the beginning of the season. Scoot Henderson is just natural, and he's playing with men, you know, a lot of the time. And that that is kind of what separates it for me. However, I will say the gap has definitely closed. There's Victor, then there's a, probably a gap, then there's Scoot, but then Brandon Miller's right there. So I can completely see why people would do that. I'm just not quite ready to do that yet. Now, Brandon Miller could go in this tournament and go crazy every game then we can have that conversation. But right now, I'm just way more comfortable with how natural the game comes to Scoot than what I'm seeing from Brandon Miller. But like I said, the gap's not that big to the point where, I mean, I just wouldn't be surprised because Brandon Miller is the more prototypical player, 6'9". I think he's like, what, 200 pounds? That's kind of what you want. Scoot Miller's a little undersized. Uh, I mean, at six two, but he plays a lot bigger than that. It's, it's just it, that's where, like you said earlier, we started getting nitpicky. So it just depends on the team. I mean, also you got to look at it. A lot of teams already have guards. So if you do not feel like Scoot Henderson no longer is the generational talent that everyone was saying when him and Victor Wembanyama faced off against each other, if you no longer feel that way, then you're going to go Brandon Miller because. Who's that? Who's I mean, the only team that could really use Scoot is the Spurs uh, that's in the top. Because even with the Hornets, you would kind of have to figure out something. Him and LaMelo in the backcourt, but is that the best? You know, it might be best offensively, but will that be the best defensively? We're seeing that with Terry Rozier now. So it all comes down to what your team needs. And I think that's a good problem to have. I, I really do. Because it's not like either one are bad. It's not like you're making a Greg Oden, uh, Kevin Durant's choice here. You can't go wrong with either one. It's just how comfortable are you putting a guy who commands the ball, who commands attention. I mean, he's, he's been having attention what since he was 18 years old because he went straight into the G League. Are are you com- if you're if you're the Pistons, are you comfortable with that? You know, because you had Kate Cunningham, but 
you know, do, can those two correlate? Can those two, li- uh, you know, live together in harmony? I don't know, but I don't know. I, I just can't do it yet. Scoot is just too naturally gifted for me to put Brandon Miller over him. So I hear you that you still have Scoot at two. I do as well. But is Brandon Miller a better fit for the Charlotte Hornets than Scoot Henderson? 100%. 100%. If I'm the Hornets, I, it, the only ta- the only part, obviously, where it gets tricky is at if you're the Hornets and you're at two. If the Charlotte Hornets get the second overall pick, I would not want to be them in that situation. I That is something I would not want to do. If Mitch Kupchak resigned when that when to, at that opportunity, I wouldn't blame him because that is a tough. A lot of the fan base would be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really would. They really would. I would not be surprised. Like if if uh, you know they come up, Adam Silver walks up and be like, "Yeah, Hornets actually need a little more time on the on the draft clock because oh, Mitch Kupchak resigned." Like that's a tough. That's a tough because obviously, like to me, I think Scoot's a better player. Is is Scoot where I you just draft Scoot, try to figure it out? I don't know if you can do that with, it, with being specifically the Hornets. Yeah. The Hornets have been through too much to guess. You know Scoot's going to be good, but is he going to be good for your specific situation? And a lot of it is the Hornets are in a weird situation where they have their point guard of the future, and you can maybe say they're center of the future, and then nothing else as far as future proof. I know they're going to be there in five years or whatever. And so that gap that remains is your wings, <laughs> right? So it's it's really tough to try to say okay if they were kind of wishy washy on Lamelo for whatever reason, then fine. But Lamelo proved that he's he's just okay, he's fine. He's great where he's at. It's it's going to be really hard to try to put two and two together. And LaMelo's not the defender you want him to be. I feel like it'll be easier to make that choice and get Scoot if LaMelo was a better defender. He's a he, he is a sneaky defender. He's a smart defender. He's just not that good of a defender. Like, he knows what to do. He takes risks. But a lot of times those risks come back to bite him in the butt, and then he doesn't hustle back and things like that. Scoot is not like that. Scoot's a better defender. He's just shorter. So then all right, how does that work for your team? That That's where it just gets all iffy. Uh, to me and then also as of right now we still have Terry Rozier so are you really going to draft Scoot Henderson to bring him off the bench it it the Hornets can't take any more black backlash and the the way we talked before the show how we were talking about all the pundits talking about the Panthers imagine if the if the Hornets and I'm not gonna say bench but has Scoot Henderson be the sixth man we would never hear the end of it it would be oh because it's become a thing. It's become a thing over the last couple of seasons because the Hornets have had high draft picks mm-hmm. in the first round. They don't play them. And they just can't – they're not ready, you know, mm-hmm. and – or that's what comes from the organization. They're not ready. They need to spend some time in Greensboro. They need to, you know, continue improving in practice and things like that. And we've seen that work out with Mark Williams, right? Because, honestly, if you asked me after the summer league, I was like, He's not ready. Like, uh, yeah, for sure. Like, he's squishy. He's soft. Like, I don't think that he's he's not that – he's not ready. He can't play – he can't play against grown men. But then now, <laughs> what we've seen before the thumb sprain, another injury, mm-hmm. of course, um, we've seen him be able to battle and hold his own against these guys. And so, he was improving. 
But even with that being said, it's become a thing. And if the Hornets don't move off from Terry Rozier and Scoot comes in, that's exactly what's going to happen. Scoot is not going to replace Terry Rozier in the and, start. And that's, right. And, and then, like, some people could be like, why not? It's that's that's a business decision at that point. What is if you're the Hornets? What do I look like paying Terry Rozier? I want to say around twenty four million. Yeah, and he's coming off the bench, and it, you're not really getting that kind of production that you would really want out of someone you're paying twenty four million dollars. It and that's because he's obviously playing less minutes. There's no way you can do a Lamelo Scoot Terry close. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're ne- it's just it's it too almost- difficult. Yeah, it almost feels like if Scoot was the selection for the Hornets, Terry's got to be on the move. He's right? got to. And they have to – and to be honest, that needs to be done, like, that night. You yeah, know? That, that's like, probably a draft night trade, right? You don't make that pick and then we'll wait till the season or we'll wait till trade. No, because <laughs> it, it hurts everybody. You know, it hurts. Yeah. If Terry has to come off the bench, teams are going to be like, why is Terry – coming off the bench behind his trade value plummets just plummets and declines and then all of a sudden you're getting cents on the dollar for a guy you don't want to do that right and it's just yeah i'm with it's weird it's that's the only that's the only thing and i hate to make it not x's and o's basketball related and more business related but that is why the hornets would be in a tough situation because brandon miller makes all the basketball sense in the world he fits like a glove. Uh, Scoot Henderson, you would hope, but it's just that's when the business kicks in. It's like, do you – you're just in that tough situation of, hey. And, and the thing is, it's not going to be easy to move Terry. So you picking Scoot, you you might have to roll with the both of them for a while. But then it's like, <laughs> do you want to deal with, like I said, like we said earlier, Scoot coming off the bench and Terry starting and then – or Terry coming off the bench. It's just It just oh, causes – more Just issues than thinking about it's giving me a headache, man. <laughs> right, right. Oh, and that's man. the only thing is like it's tough because of course, basketball wise, a hundred percent. Give me, you know, let's let's take scoot and run with it. But it's just when you think about the organization as a whole, it just doesn't it doesn't end well in that situation unless once again you just scrap it and then you so right if you're gonna if Lamelo and Scoot are gonna be your backcourt, you have to build around them properly you can't pick guys you think would fit you have to know it can't because i know like the way this roster is built they were like they've said the beginning of this year said the end of last year well we thought it was going to work you, you can't have that if you're going to go Lamelo, who's not that excellent a defender and scoot who's undersized yeah you just can't do it yeah so either Lamelo needs to be a better defender or scoot needs to grow it, that, <laughs> that's just how it goes well, and there's our portion of Scoot Henderson hijacking this NCAA tournament episode. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> no, 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 no. I did it. I did it. I was the one asking the question. You just you just did what I asked you, man. Um, all right. So we've gotten into Jairus Walker. All right. Who were some of these other players that you have on Hornets Watch? Uh, so it's tough. And the reason I say it's tough is because Hornets fall down to eight. Like at lowest, at minimum, or well, yeah, at worst, they fall to eight. I mean, and they can't, to my knowledge, they can't trade this pick because it's a protected pick. So I don't think you're allowed to trade them, like trade back from those, because technically it's not theirs. Uh, 
I'm not sold on Keontae George from Baylor. And the reason that is he is a better James Book Knight Malik Monk, but oh no, oh, okay. Next. <laughs> you, Next. you see how that turned out. He's oh. better. No, he's better than them. Like, I'm not saying that, oh, they're the same player. They played it. What my point is, he's a very electric player, but he needs for him to succeed, he needs to be, hey, take the ball, run with it, do what you got to do. Hornets don't like playing that way. We're we're just – LaMelo, we knew, was proven. And we're just now seeing more of him having that, that reign to the offense. Keontae George, he needs to go somewhere where he can just play freely. And he, I don't think he's going to get that uh, in Charlotte. I just don't. I don't see it. I, I, I just don't see it. So it's not really on him, more so just how the Charlotte Hornets have done in the last few years. Another one – I can't, I mean, I can't say George. Grady Dick would be a really, he, I've say all the time, Hornets have a lot of guys who can shoot, but do not have a shooter. Grady Dick is a shooter. And then also, you got the memes. You got to think ball. about the memes. Ball, man. <laughs> you got the that memes. Is so good. Man. And then, like, every, that's going to be everyone's right, so, favorite so, league pass team. I don't. <laughs> I don't want Grady Dick whatsoever on this team. I can get or, it. I like I 100% get. That's really high for a guy who what he does best is just really shoot. Exactly. And like That's really high. At the end of the day, you know if Grady Dick ends up on this team that that means the Hornets probably fell to 7 or 8 in the draft. Right, right. Right. Yeah, you do but not you don't want Dick at the end of the so, right. So at the end of the day, I I just I I don't want I don't want Dick and Ball. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I, I do, I want it so much at the same time because it would just, it would just so be funny. so good. Eric, but, Eric Collins with great, oh man. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so good, but it would be it, so bad because it would, he's it would. just, all he does is just shoot. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it. Eric, Corey Eric, Kispert. Yeah, like, it, like I don't want that. Right, and and yeah. we're not. And the thing is, also, you gotta think about it. As much as we're like laughing and saying we don't want Grady, you also have to think about it. The Hornets are in no position to draft a just a shooter that high. We're not. We're our team's not ready for that. No, um, not at all. So it's like as much as we're joking with Grady, big is like we're also just not in a position. We're not. We do not have our roster filled out enough. If if this season we're picking this right here because of injury. Like let's just say there was a bunch of injuries and we fell. We were like a four seed and we fell. That that's that it would make sense. It's it's like when the Suns picked up Cam Johnson. Everybody's like, yeah. why would you pick Cam Johnson? Well, it turned out they were actually planning to get better, and what they needed was what Cam Johnson provided. Yeah. So forget with those other guys. He was right. older, he was mature, he had one attribute that he was elite at. And right. that's what they wanted to throw into their roster that was mm-hmm. you know much you know, more ready to compete and it is what it is. And, you know, but gosh, yeah, no, no. And then you miss, you mentioned sensible earlier. I think he would be a really good pick. The only thing is I just don't know where he goes. What range is he like currently projected? Where, where do you have him currently? I have him. I probably have them top 10. Woo! 
I think I think he's good, man. Man, he's, he's good. He's rising. I've you're not the only one. I've seen Sensible really starting to climb because I used to see him in the twenties. No, he at the beginning the of the year teams. he was he was in my twenties. He was in my twenties. The I in the, the reason uh, his rise is for a couple of different reasons. One, he started playing out of his mind. And then he's starting to show that he can he can take the ball up the court. He can catch, catch and shoot. He can he plays like he sometimes he's able to play this weird Carmelo Anthony with the Knicks low post game where it's like he he he's backing down these smaller wings that are trying to guard him because he's a little too quick to put a bigger guy on him. It it, it like he that's literally how he plays. He his offensive game is so mature. Um but also the thing is you got to think about at 6'6", six, six, do we really want you in the paint? You know what I mean? Doing that in the NBA, yeah. it's not it's not quite the same. So, and he does a lot more than that, but that's kind of where you have to think about. And that's where I say it's hard to find where he actually fits because he's not, he's much better than just a catch and shoot guy. But then at the same time, you don't really want him like at the power forward and he's not really quick enough to be a small forward. So he's in that really, really yeah. weird but like talent wise, he's there. And what it what I mean, you could get him to lose weight and just have him be quicker. That I mean, then you you're solved. You have your three right there. You you know you have a you have a good wing that can defend, but really just score at any level, rebound. He's another one I like. Uh, Anthony Black is someone who, and this is Anthony Black is probably fourteen. So this, maybe this is too far low. Uh, on my board, but Anthony Blast is someone who I think can pair with LaMelo very well. He pairs with Nick Smith Jr., who is on his team very well when Nick Smith Jr. plays. At the beginning of the season, Arkansas was one of my teams that I really wanted to watch because if you looked at it, they had like six guys who could have went in the first round if healthy and if the team probably played a little better. But what I like about Anthony Black is he can switch it up. Sometimes he's, he's, he's just running the offense – but then at other times he can score. Like we in the Maui Invitational, they didn't have Nick Smith Jr. Ricky Council the fourth. I always want to say Ricky Council Jr., but Ricky Council the fourth kind of wasn't playing to as you would want him to play. Anthony Black took over and had like back to back twenty point plus games. So he can play next to Lamelo, and Lamelo can play off ball. Lamelo has mentioned before that he he you know that's what he's done growing up because he was with Lonzo all the time. So, I mean, is that what you want to base this pick on? No, you don't want to base it on, well, LaMelo said one time he played off ball. You don't want to do that. But they're both tall. They're both 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so you have a huge you have a huge backcourt. Mm-hmm. But what I like about Anthony Black that he would have over LaMelo is he's more of a combo guard that can kind of slide into that wing position. And so you can have him guard actual wings. Like you can have him guard the Chris Middletons of the world. You can have him guard the Clay Thompsons of the world. You don't have to, you know, put him on like another small guard and be like, okay. And he's quick enough. But what I like about him is that he uses his body on defense. If if you watch him, I mean, you it, I really when I watch his high school tape, but he definitely did it while he's been in Arkansas. He puts his body on defenders. He knows he well he is the defender. He puts his body on the ball handler. He knows he's bigger than the ball handler. He's not going to let you get by him. So that's somebody who I think will pair very well with Melo. Um, he does a little bit of everything. I think that – and then we're talking – I know some people are saying, is LaMelo injury prone? Well, if he is, for whatever – I don't think that's true, but if he is, 
you have a guy who I am not upset at having as the the new point guard when LaMelo goes out or if he just needs an extra rest or anything like that. So that's something you also got to think about when you're making these picks. Like I said, I have him kind of like at 14, so that may be a little too low as because if we're getting Anthony Black, I'm scared. But he is someone who, if he has a great tournament and in great workouts, we could see him in that top eight. So, so you mentioned uh, his teammate, Nick Smith Jr., who, you know, at the beginning of the year was projected top six, top seven pick. Right. And then he's just started falling down boards. Mm-hmm. What's been happening with him and, you know, maybe you can give us a bit better insight as to what's been going on around Nick Smith Jr. Injury. Um, and then, I mean, that's really most of it. it was, most of it was injury. And then when he was playing it earlier in the beginning of the season, after he came back from injury, he was not playing well. He had big games. He had big plays. But if you look at his game, it wasn't it wasn't like he was playing well. So the stat made us hit 20 points, but it and it could have been an efficient 20 points. I'm trying to think of that specific game, but it was a game where he had like 20 points. It was efficient. But if you watch the game, it was it was a lot of force and it was just going in. It was like when it, it was like a Julius Randle game. That's what I like to call those kind of games where Julius Randle, you look at the stat sheet, he's like 10 for 19. Uh, you know, 30 points, 11 rebounds, but you watch the game. It's like, dude, he just got off by, you know, bullying people and running over people the whole time and didn't get called. Nick Smith Jr. didn't do that, but it was like one of those games where it was like, ah, everything's just falling his way. He didn't really play that well. Everything just fell his way. But overall, I actually, at the beginning of the season, I had Nick Smith Jr. as a good pairing with LaMelo. He plays extremely well off ball. He's very active on defense. I wouldn't say he is a Dennis Smith Jr. type defender, but he's just very active. He's going to get in your face. He's quick. He's going to try to reach for the ball. Yeah, he may get called for fouls, and we we deal enough, you know, with LaMelo on that. But, I mean, if you just – one thing about this Hornets team is that we don't have that premier defender. It's going to help if you have guys who just give effort, who just move on defense and just make the ball handler uncomfortable. Nick Smith Jr. can do that. He does need to work on his shot a little bit, but everything else as as far as an uh as far as like a two guard, a combo guard, I think he does everything. I just need to see more from him. Is that more so my issue with Nick Smith Jr.? We just haven't seen enough in him doing consistently. As of late, he's been playing a lot better. Uh, but I just I just need to see uh, maybe a good tournament. And I think they're matched up with Illinois first game. So I think that will be a really good test because Illinois is not an easy team to play. All right, Darian. So the Hornets also have we've been talking about their, you know, the the pick that everybody's talking about that ho- hopefully lands one. We ain't even got to worry about any of these guys that are in the NCAA <laughs> tournament because boom, we get Wimby, baby. But the Hornets also have that late first rounder via the Denver Nuggets that was acquired in the infamous draft night trade last summer. Man, All right. In the Jalen Duran deal. Uh, So the Hornets also have that first rounder in this upcoming 2023 NBA draft. Who is a player who's currently in this NCAA tournament who the Hornets could target late in the first round? Oh, I would have to go – that would be at that pick. I would have to probably go Jordan Hawkins out of UConn. I think he's a really – I think he's a really good player. I think 
You said He's, UConn. Everybody just kind of squeezed. Like everybody <laughs> just kind of clinched up. Every and part he, of them just. Ugh. I've been looking into him, and I was like, I was making sure they weren't teammates at the same time, so they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't rub off on him, but. I mean, he's had some great games. Like he's had, he had a thirty-one point game against uh, St. John's. I know people will point out his uh, Marquette game where he didn't, he didn't play well at all. I think he had like eight points, which we know Marquette. Which I actually didn't know Marquette was the sixth team in the country. I thought they, were, I don't know why I thought they were in teens, and then I look at Selection Sunday, yeah. they were like six. They rose crazy. quick. They, they did. They, they really did. Um, but he's had some amazing games this year. I think he's a guy that you can put next to LaMelo because I think that's what you're looking for. This draft doesn't have too many big – this draft doesn't have too many centers, at least in the first round. It doesn't have too many guys that are like big body that could play in the power forward or anything like that. So I think you're really trying to find a future with uh, someone that comparable to LaMelo. I think Jordan Hawkins could do it. He's 6'5", 195. He showed that – he shows flashes that he can – be a pretty good defender on the perimeter. He's not excellent, but he he, he does pretty well. Um, he asks, also is pretty – he actually gets some blocks. I think he averages, what, like a half a block a game, which actually is pretty high considering when you think about the Hornets, for some reason, like that game, what was it, yesterday, where every, they were just having a block party, everybody. Yeah. So he Everybody got free nugs. Right. Free nugs for everybody at, at Spectrum. So he fits into that if you want to, if you, yes, yeah, something you value. But in reality, he is a good three point shooter. Like right now, he's shooting 38% from three, which we know that that can uh, definitely go up. I mean, also, you know, changing from college to NBA, there are, there could be a drop off, but I'm confident at a 38%. Now, if you look at his actual field goal percentage, it's pretty low. It's 41, but he takes like eight threes a game. So 12 shots, eight threes. You know, you could do the math. So if you look at that, I could see why someone would be like, oh, but can he finish? He is not the best finisher in the world, and it doesn't help considering we just talked about it earlier. Is LaMelo that good of a finisher? Not yet. We've seen flashes, but not yet. I mean, in reality, you got to take what you can get, and what one thing you're missing right now is shooting. You're missing shooting more than anything. And like a consistent shooting, like someone that you know is going to drain a majority of their shots. Not Kelly Oubre where he's hot for two weeks and then three weeks he's cold. Or Terry Rozier where uh, for some reason he takes a lot of his threes moving instead of just, you know, staying still. Jordan Hawkins can be a guy that Lamelo can drive, drive in, create penetration. Everybody collapses on him and he can kick it out. Jordan Hawkins open, top of the key, hits the three. He's that kind of player. He's just a very – smooth offensive player. And I feel like we need more of that. A lot of the offense, I think with the Hornets is very sporadic guys just kind of don't know what to do with the ball. Streaky. They don't know. Yeah. They're very trying streaky. to force things, right. Trying to play hero ball at times. Mm -hmm. This guy, Jordan Hawkins to me, he, I mean, he falls for that. He is a young guard. I feel like all young guards do that, but he has shown time and time again, when things get rough for UConn, he is the guy they can go to. He is the guy who, okay. I've been I may have been chucking up shots all game, but I, I get we're in the last three minutes and I can completely change how I, you know, look at this possession on offense and he can slow it down and he can get into the spot. He I think it's actually pretty impressive that he already kind of has an idea where his spots are on offense. So I think that'll be a good pick at 28 if they were to stay right there. At the trade deadline, the Charlotte Hornets acquired their own second round pick back in return in the Jalen McDaniels 
trait. I know, you know, and so the, a lot of people were up in arms in the uh, in the fan base. Never saw so many people upset about just a mid player being traded away. Honestly, <laughs> Jalen McDaniels. I like Jalen McDaniels. I liked what he could do, uh, given the choice between him and a couple other Hornets that are kind of in that, you know, seventh eighth man role. Um, I probably would have taken him, but I at the same time I get it. He had the most trade value, and I believe Mitch Kupchak really values this draft. And so what I think is going to happen is, well, I got something else in the works too, but I'll save that for another episode at a later date, right? But what I think is going to happen is that the Charlotte Hornets are going to package because just like last year, the talk was we don't need too many rookies coming in. We need we we have plenty of young guys. We actually need some veterans. We need those some of these roster spots reserved for some veteran, you know, players and for that veteran presence to lead these guys and help, you know, create professionals, right? And so I think once again, we're going to see the same thing. And so I think the Hornets are going to use that Denver Nuggets pick and then their own second round pick, which is going to fall somewhere early 30s, right? To package that to move up and grab one guy instead of drafting two move up and draft another uh rookie higher up i also have a second idea but we'll save that for future so who's another player in this ncaa tournament that the hornets could move up to grab that maybe in that low teens early 20s range that they could acquire by packaging both of those picks together so at the beginning of the season this person i'm about to talk about would have been easily there now, it, it's tough. It's tough for it's tough for a few reasons, and this guy also fits your what you were saying about not having too many rookies. He's a junior, but I'm going with Chris Murray out of Iowa. I think Chris Murray is just pure, just efficient as you get. Forty eight percent from the field, thirty four percent from three. His shot is smooth. He knows how to play defense. He he knows defense. I'm not going to say he's out here <laughs> locking people NBA up. NBA ready or anything right. like that. But right. he know, you can obviously tell he knows what to do. His mind may think faster than his body, but that's fine. We Because sometimes we're out there and it looks like the Hornets don't know what to do. This guy at least knows what to do. He just he struggles to get there a little bit. Now, the reason it's going to be difficult is Chris Murray has been shooting up the boards. Uh, and I think a lot of that is he is – he's one, he's just extremely efficient, extremely efficient. Smart player, basketball IQ through the roof, in my opinion. Can rebound. I know what last year everybody's he can't rebound, and then now he's rebounding. He averages what eight rebounds a game, which before I don't think he was averaging near that much. The reason it's going to be hard is one, his brother Keegan has been a perfect fit for the Sacramento Kings and their twins. I I could just see that playing a part as teams teams. If you're a team that is in those teens. And let's say you want somebody, but they're gone. And you know, I have no idea. The phone's not ringing. I don't know who to call to trade this pick. Let's just pick someone really safe. You could go Chris Murray. So when do teams start getting uncomfortable? That can start when guys like him come off the board. When teams are uncomfortable, the guy, the first 10 guys they had are gone. They don't know who to pick, but yet you know they can't trade back or whatever the case may be. They could go with a guy like Chris Murray because you know – 
the day one season opener, he's going to get some minutes and he's going to shoot the ball, and he's going to shoot the ball well. That's what the Hornets need. We've talked about it. The Hornets need that shooting. I think they need more uh, rebounding as well. I I think that one thing about this team is we thought that we get a center like Mark Williams, we should be able to rebound. Well, we just got out rebounded by 20 yesterday, or the, the Utah Jazz game. We got out rebounded by 20. Granted, Mark Williams didn't play, but if you watch – a lot of guys, they don't box out their person. They just look up and they just stare. And then someone flies right by Talon Horde Tucker, flies out of nowhere through Terry Rozier, gets the board. Man. It's just like, it. what are y'all doing? This guy, like I said, he's not going to bring down every board, but you can guarantee he's going to box out his man. He doesn't turn over the ball much. He's, he's just as pure as offensive player as you can have, and it's not like he can't move on defense. We've seen Steve Clifford work wonders with his team. We've seen how good the team has been since Mark Williams has been the starting center on defense. You can This guy's the definition of a plug-and-play, and I think that will make Mitch Kupchak and everybody else happy because this guy, you don't have to worry about is he ready or anything like that. You can play him right away. Now, that what role you play him in, how many minutes, that, that's the discussion for another day. But if you just want a guy that can come in, shoot, play defense, and just not commit too many turnovers or foul too much or anything like that, just give you good minutes, like minutes where Kai Jones, they're very sporadic. You don't know if Kai Jones is going to you know, get eight rebounds or you don't know if he's going to foul out in five minutes. You don't know. Chris Murray, you know exactly what you're going to get when, as soon as he steps on that court. It's just going to be hard to get him because, like I said, his brother. And then, two, I think more and more people are going to see how just offensively talented he is. Mitch Kupchak and his second-round picks. He loves them more than his wife, his kids, grandkids, the memory of his mother, all of it, right? Mitch Kupchak is in a love relationship with his second-round picks. The Hornets have multiple second-round picks in this draft. Who are some of these gems that the Hornets can find, you know, the Bryce McGowanses and, you know, the JT Thors and the Cody Martins and the Jalen McDaniels, some of these guys that the Hornets have taken recently that, you know, have either received that second contract or they're on pace to, all right, as these second-round guys. And so who were some of these players in the NCAA tournament that Mitch Kupchak might have his eyes on? Okay, so first I'm going to go with Jalen Wilson out of Kansas. Uh, he basically took O'Shea Abaji's spot from last year's Kansas team, and not as in position, but as in like the leader of that team. He is just a very poised player. He's a guy who's also an upperclassman. I think that's where if Mitch Kupchak wants to bring in young talent, but not bring in the Kai Joneses of the world, not bring in – Maybe James Booknight was a little more raw than we thought. But if you don't want to bring in those kind of guys, you want to bring in guys who can compete right away. Jalen Wilson is one of those guys. I mean, he's not – he's just not really great at anything, but he's good at everything. Like I said, he's a poised player, good basketball IQ. He's just a good guy to have on a team. He plays hard, um, I think that. And he's a pretty good rebounder. I mean, he can score. He's not like the world's best scorer, like I mentioned before, but he can score. Uh, I mean – what I mean, he's just one of those guys where I feel like you can you need on a team. You need to hold your team together, especially, you know, you're thinking of a bench unit here. 
if you're trying to avoid those JT Thor minutes, I think Jalen Wilson could be a good contributor for that. I think he projects to have a pretty good three ball um, at the NBA level, which JT Thor or Norkai Jones have right now. And considering he play, he kind of can play in that role, I think that's a good guy you could pick. Another one, uh, this guy's to me, I, he doesn't have much offensive talent. He's more of a, just a slasher. But what I really like about him is his defense. And um, I also like his just athleticism, as I mentioned, he is a slasher. But Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas, I think he's a really good player. He came out of high school as, like, one of the best players in the country. It kind of dwindled a little bit uh, getting to Arkansas. Arkansas has just so many players. He, he was really hard for him to find minutes. Um, he, Like I said, he wasn't scoring as you would thought. But, I mean, even when you watch his tape in high school, he wasn't. He was just bullying everybody. That's that's essentially what he was doing. But on defense, on de- I mean, his offensive game, it can come. I think I think he'll get there. I don't, we don't really – for a guy like that, we just need him to just run. When we're on those times where we're just running, he can do that. But what we really need him for is for his defense. I think he can guard everybody, maybe one through four. I think he's going to be a guy that the Charlotte Hornets look at and be like, hey, we just need someone to play defense. You could also maybe throw in Dylan Mitchell from Texas in here. That gets kind of iffy because he's like – he refuses to shoot the ball or anything. He refuses to even try to score. But his tools is just amazing. He's he's lanky. He's uh, he's strong. I, they play him at center sometimes, Dylan Mitchell. It, but he just refuses, refuses to do anything on offense if it's not a dunk. Uh, but, if, I mean, the Hornets have enough guys who look to score, in my opinion. So, kind of earlier, how we talked about with Scoot just being in the right position, the Hornets are in a perfect position to guard to draft guys like Dylan Mitchell, like Jordan Walsh, who their offensive game is not quite where you want them to be, but you know what they can be on defense. JT Thor is a project. We're projecting to what he can be on defense. We've seen what Jordan Walsh and Dylan Mitchell could do on defense. So, Maybe you don't want to double down because you have the JT Thor, but I think they're much further along than JT Thor, if you ask me, uh, as far as just their defensive abilities. JT Thor is also really young. That's something you not you, you know you have to think about. And last, the last second round pick, I would probably give them. Maybe I'm looking, and there's just Arthur Kaluma was supposed to from Creighton was supposed to be a first round pick. His season didn't quite end up being what it, what it was supposed to be. Creighton had some injuries, and he didn't really step up in the way you would want him to be. He's also a guy who's a really good defender, and he's actually a really good scorer. His problem is he settles for way too many threes, way too many threes. He is very incredible at creating shots of getting to the basket, which this team needs desperately, even though I know I mentioned some guys earlier who can't do that. But he can do that at a high rate. He's very efficient. It's just he settles for way too many threes. That kind of fits with the team, but at least he has the ability to score at the basket. So that's someone I think that the Hornets would be really happy with. But there's a bunch of guys. I mean, you have Julian Strawler from Gonzaga. That's another really good one. Uh, upperclassman can score. Can uh, uh, he can defend? It, there's just a lot of guys. I can sit here and name them all day. But those, the ones I named, are the ones I think the Hornets should really look at. Because we've mentioned a lot of guys who can score and stuff, so we need someone that can defend on this team. That it, We have too many guys who – they have the tools to defend, but can they defend? And I think some of the guys actually can. Mitch Kupchak loves his seconds, and Darian Thomas loves his Arkansas players. 
Uh, I, I do. Three. Name dropping three of them Arkansas boys. Three, three. Man, this season I looked into them. I was like, because I've been following Anthony Black for a while. And I was like, man, he's going to Arkansas. Then I saw Nick Smith Jr. I saw Jordan Walsh. Then you had Trayvon Brazil who got injured, but he was really good. It, Arkansas, they were a deep team. I, I'm, it sucks that they didn't end up being what you would want them to be, but that's a deep team. No mention of Caleb Love. Oh, yeah, that's right. NCAA tournament. Yeah. <laughs> no, Armando Baycott. I was at the – this is a uh, random story. I was, at the, I was at the bank the other day, and I was wearing my North Carolina hoodie, and someone was like, y'all boys ain't going to make it. And I could tell just by his voice, it was a Duke fan. And I turned around, and he literally that – that's how he introduced himself. He's like, yeah, I'm a Duke fan. That was the first <laughs> thing he said. And then he was just basically talking about how Armando ba- – he was just talking, just trashing our team. And what hurt was he was right. That <laughs> Duke fans are annoying, but when they're right is when it hurts uh, even more. He was hey. like, Armando Baycott doesn't have post moves. Caleb Love takes too many bad shots. I'm like, whoa, dude, it's 9 in the morning. Why are we, why are we going so hard right now? <laughs> but he was right, and it, was, it hurt so bad. Hey, uh, Mr. Duke fan, uh, New Orleans. Does that mean anything to you? Okay. <laughs> That's All what right, I told him. That's exactly what I told him. I said, <laughs> no, I said, I get well, – we risk. Because I know I personally was like, if we – I was like, as long as we win this game, <laughs> I don't care what happens. So when we lost in the championship – all my friends were like, oh, like, oh, see, y'all didn't make it. I said, our championship was the final four. That, that was it. That's all I wanted. Yeah, I mean, I still wanted that national championship, and I'm sure you it, did, right? It only hurt yeah. because we were so far ahead. Yeah, and if like, we, you know, you if just – we were just outmatched from the beginning, I would have been like, you know what? I'm happy with it. But yeah. considering, like you kind of said, we were just so far ahead, and then they just – they were gassed. I don't think it had anything to do with talent, coaching. They were just gassed at that yeah. point. Well, we've been gassed ever since that moment. And we really no have. mention of any Tar Heels on this episode in this draft episode. Not for multiple reasons. They're, we can't. They they didn't make the tournament. They they didn't meet the criteria. And, and what's crazy is Caleb Love could have gotten drafted last year. Last he year would, he would have. He would have gotten drafted. Maybe not in the first round, obviously, but yeah, mid second for sure. A yeah, team he definitely would have been gone because character. he was just he played at such a high level and like his swagger and his confidence. Mm-hmm. You know he he has that Lamelo Ball confidence without la- half of Lamelo Ball's <laughs> game. You know, like, like dude, like this is the one thing that I will say if you want. To have someone take the craziest shot and make it, get Caleb Love on your team. That, those are the ones he makes for some reason. The ones where the shot clock's going down, he's triple teamed, those will go in. But have him shoot in the flow of the offense. Oh, yes. oh man. Nah. He's got a better chance of hitting the shot clock. <laughs> like, he just is going to hit that back rim, it's going to bounce up. Dink, 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 dink. And then he's the going to walk back on defense. All right. Throw the ball in. Here we go. Man, Darian, I enjoyed having you on again. Our expert here at the lead, draft lead, contributor, running the Twitter page, uh, running that account, also a contributor for Hornets lead as well. We're going to be working in tandem. Got a couple other guys that we uh, have added recently as well. So, a lot of stuff coming from Hornets lead, draft lead, the lead uh, overall, uh, all of those things. But 
tell tell everybody where they can find you because you've added more than that. Not you man, haven't just since added last time I was Hornets lead in draft league, but man, you've been busy lately. Let everybody know where they can find you and what what you're up to. Oh, man, okay, so find me on Truz or well, on Twitter at TrustBuzz T R U Z Z B U Z Z the usual. Find me on TrustTheBuzz on YouTube.com as uh. Go also find me on what I almost forgot. It was just so much. Uh, uh, find me at Draft Lead. You know, I'm just bringing draft content. So if that interests you, go ahead and check that out. I uh, also contribute with Hornets Lead. Uh, and then also, uh, I recently have been added to the Believe Network for That's the, right. the Charlotte Hornets. So, you know, believe in the Charlotte Hornets. That's what we're going to, it fits perfectly because, you know, trust the buzz, believe in the Hornets. It all works out together. Uh, you know, blind faith is basically, that's that's going to be the next thing I do. I'm going to make something called blind faith, I guess, because that's what it all is at the end. But yeah, find me on there. I just do the podcast on there uh, two times a week. Uh, I will be getting a schedule soon, but right now I'm just chugging out content. You know, I know there's a lot to go on. There's a lot of games to cover, but then also a lot of Hornets fans are now getting into the draft. because we kind of know where we're going to be because uh, it's going to be hard to catch up to. Is it the magic? I think. That, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, that's not happening. So we're more than likely going to be at that fourth spot. And I know people will get mad when we win, but we're, you're not out tanking the bottom three teams and you're not catching can't. up to the magic. So that's, just a, that's a different level of suck. You just can't. <laughs> oh, man, it's crazy. But I will say Hornets are playing with pride. But if you want to find me, I just named all those places. So go ahead and check me out. Uh, you know, just dedicated to this basketball thing, man. I love hoops. So. Anytime, I you know, podcast, writing, whatever, just I'm here for it. Man, so. to be doing all that, you got to be dedicated. I mean, you just listed off like six, seven things. <laughs> You're talking about podcasts and YouTube channels and writing and Twitter accounts and social media and all the things, man, for multiple different publications, all the things. I mean, you just cranking that 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 content out. Got any Panthers content? That number one overall pick, baby. Man, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking. And we had a conversation before the show. We were talking about it. So if that comes, if that ever shows up, we got to do something, man. We got to. I don't know any, being from North Carolina, I still don't know many Panthers fans. Most of my family, Steeler fans. That that's just I I could never I would always root for the Ravens just this just despite yeah, like yeah I got because if got the you. Panthers were out of it I was like oh well, I'm a Raven just to make them mad because I don't like the Steelers that much but yeah I mean if I do something with the Panthers I'll definitely hit you up we had a good conversation about the Panthers before the show that's so. right hey Panthers number one overall pick Hornets about to get that number one overall hey. pick. this whole episode's <laughs> gonna be just it's it's gonna be obsolete you're not even gonna need it. <laughs> I mean, listen to it tomorrow when it drops, right? I mean, while you're listening to this, I mean, you know, we, we we recorded this night before. We want you to listen to it, and we're glad that you did and all the other people that do. But hopefully soon, this whole episode, or at least the first half, is going to be so obsolete that it means nothing because Carolina's taking over those number one overall picks, baby. If there's not a Wimby, C.J. Stroud promo of some kind, the marketing teams have all failed. On both organizations. Yeah, that's the, you got up, to do something. All right. I know. Look, I know this is Hornets pod. And we've we we've you know jumped into the deep end of Carolina early on to start the episode. It probably pissed off all of our Duke fans, you know, who happen to listen <laughs> to it that are also Hornets fans, NC State fans. Yeah, for, I was just about to say NC State, Wake Forest. You got yeah, ever how many of those are actually <laughs> exist out there. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. We're all Hornets fans. Kumbaya, kumbaya. Um 
but are are you on the CJ Stroud? Is 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 that the the train you're you're riding? Is that the the truck that you are hitched up to? Oh man, yes. And it's only because Bryce Young is so small. So Gosh, our buddy's so good. But yeah, I'm so I'm from Georgia, and I live in a part in Georgia. I live in Columbus, so like everybody is Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, because it's it's Gosh, close man. to all of those areas. Gross. So I've seen a lot of a lot more Bryce Young than I would like to say I've seen, and it, he. You can't deny how good he is. He's a magician. It did. It doesn't matter who his receivers were. It did. It literally didn't matter. It like this year they had nobody. They they were just they were oh. just. And he made everybody look good. Now, obviously, offensive coordinator and things like that. But Bryce Young is just so talented. You think the play is over and he does something crazy, but he's not super athletic. It's just. He just knows exactly how fast he needs to run to get away yeah. from you, but not too fast to where he might overthrow. It's just it seems everything he does is calculated. Everything he does is extremely calculated. CJ Stroud, I think, is just he's just naturally talented and gifted. I think yeah. he's just he can throw. I'm not saying he doesn't know the quarterback position, but Bryce Young, I think he knows how tiny he is. So he knows how frail he is. So mm-hmm. everything he does, and I, we say he's tiny and frail. He. He can take some hits. He can he can definitely take some hits. Yeah, I mean, so, look, he's he, he's two oh five. He's yeah, what five five eleven? Did did he actually get to five eleven? I think they gave him five eleven. Maybe foot. They may have given him six foot in cleats. I don't know, man. Maybe, I, maybe I don't know. But uh, I mean, two oh five, pretty pretty bulky. He's bulked up a little bit, and you know, I'm sure that'll probably come back off after the after the <laughs> combine. So right. he'll probably go back to a playing weight of one ninety, one ninety five, something like that. But I'm on the Bryce Young tra- uh, train. I am. Yeah, I can't be mad either way, as long as it's not Will. Yeah, Lewis like or Anthony Richardson. Yeah, and the only yeah, reason no. I say Anthony Richardson is because we're at one. If we were at if three we're at through nine. nine, Anthony Richardson, I'm okay with that. I get yeah. it. I get uh-huh. it. You don't want him to go quarterbacks, you know, fly off the board fast. But at one, it's Bryce or CJ. Do not pick anyone else. Yeah, that's it. I'm with you. Full, full, full on Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I'll be happy. I'll still be excited. I might even buy a jersey. Who knows? Or at least for my son, I'll I'll get my son a jersey at least. Like, <laughs> we we got to see how he how he plays a little bit, you know, before all that right. that money starts going down. I'm really glad I didn't buy that DJ Moore jersey though for him for his birthday. Oh man, man. yeah, because that would have been <laughs> that would have been rough. That one hurts me. That one hurts me. That that one I was I was upset about because I remember when we got him, I was like, oh man, how did this happen? Because I think the specifically the Ravens were supposed to pick. It, it was like he's he went to ball he went to Maryland. It was mm-hmm. like this, the Ravens needed a receiver, and then they didn't pick him. And it was like, what is going on? And then they didn't pick Calvin Ridley, and then yeah, and like I said, the uh, Panthers found a way and got him, and went from there. Yeah, it's uh, at this point all the Hornets fans who aren't Panthers fans are completely checked out. They they're <laughs> off the they're off the pod, and then the couple might people be are still Hurricane listening. fans. We all need to be Hurricanes fans. They're the only ones who are doing anything. <laughs> we, we we need to be. I just can't do it. I just – this hockey thing, it's just – and I'm a Charlotte FC fan. I'm full oh, – I'm on. That's another I'm one. On. 
and they're just fitting into the city so seamlessly. Just they are stuck they are. on top of suck. I mean, they're just pitiful right now. Just, <laughs> I I bought the league pass because uh, you know Apple has that league pass. Oh yeah, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And I was all I was like, oh my god. And then they play Atlanta United, and you know, being from Georgia, everybody's like Atlanta United, Atlanta United. Yeah. And I was like, at man. home. Just I got beat like, down at a place was, where you thought you, you, you had the bank. It's supposed to be the bank safe rocking. there. It's and then can't even can't even protect the bank anymore. It's just like it's, people it's come bad. in. Oh yeah, we'll we'll drop three goals on you. That's cool. It's, it's bad. I didn't. And, and I feel like they played so much better last year. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Know yeah. That's the thing. What it, it is last like, year played so much better. Had a chance to make the playoffs at the end. Still long mm-hmm. season. They can still get things right. But for sure. Yeah. Anyways, man, I've appreciated you being on. This was fun. Long episode, but I love it. Let's go. NCAA tournament episode, Hornet style, all of those things. Hey, man, so glad that you came on. I'm glad I'm glad you invited me. You know, these are one of my favorite podcasts to do with you, so I really appreciate it. Oh, we time. always have a good time. We always I, have a good time. We got Before, to. after the show, it, we always have a good time. So anytime. Yeah, always. Good, man. Good, man. Well, guys, appreciate the listen. Be sure to review, rate, subscribe, leave all the things, do all the things. You know what to do. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hive Hoops. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.